Kind of sounds like Darth Vader right now. <laughs> I do? Yep. No, that's my regular voice. What are you talking about? I hear myself just fine. I'm glad you can hear yourself just fine. I'm just saying you sound really deep. Of course I have a deep voice. I'm not that deep, but... It's not that deep. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? It's like James Earl Jones deep here. <laughs> I am not James Earl Jones. The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 640, recorded on February 16th, 2022. The 640th edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and the 473rd episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry and a gaming flashback this week. Right, and the gaming flashback is one of the first video games ever made. The gaming flashback is Space War. Space War is a space combat video game developed in 1962 by Steve Russell in collaboration with Martin Greats, Wayne Winnenden, Bob Saunders, Steve Piner, and others. It was written for the newly installed DEC PDP-1 minicomputer at, at MIT. After its initial creation, Space War was expanded further by other students and employees of universities in the area, including Dan Edwards and Peter Sampson. It also spread to many of the a few dozen locations of the PDP-1 computer, making Space War the first known video game to be played at multiple computer installations. The game features two spaceships, the Needle and the Wedge, engaging in a, a dogfight while maneuvering in the ga- gravity well of a star. Both ships are controlled by human players. Each ship has limited weaponry and fuel for maneuvering, and the stip- ships remain in motion even when the player is not accelerating. Flying near the star as to provide a gravity assist was a common tactic. Ships are destroyed when they collide with a torpedo, the star, or each other. At any time, the player can engage in a hyperspace feature to move to a new and random location on the screen, though in some versions, each use has an increasing chance of destroying the spaceship instead. The game was initially controlled with switches on the PDP-1, although Bob Saunders built an early gamepad to reduce difficulty and awkwardness of controlling the game. Space War is one of the most important and influential games in the early early history of video games, It was extremely popular in the small programming community of the 1960s, and the public domain code was widely ported and recreated other computer systems at the time, especially after computer systems with monitors became more widespread towards the end of the decade. It has also been recreated with more modern programming languages for PDP-1 emulators. It has directly inspired many other electronic games, such as the first commercial arcade video games, Galaxy Game and Computer Space, and later games such as Asteroids. In 2007, Space War was named to a list of the 10 most important video games of all time, which was formed at the start of the game canon at the Library of Congress. Have you seen Space War in action? I am taking a look at it now. It is shockingly... It it it, it holds up, even for a 1962 game. Huh. It, 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 yeah, it definitely reminds me of uh, old Atari games, how very... Uh, simple pixels it was and what, yeah but these are not simple pixels though i mean the spaceships in this look better than the spaceship in ash which is basically just an a that rotated <laughs> yeah um uh, but the thing about it is that the uh physics it had a physics engine even a, a primitive one and um you know this game is a lot better than say combat 
the game that was installed with the Atari 2600. And it's easy to see how this game would be really, and you know, it's kind of charming. You know, it's sort of like people passing around a, a file and saying, hey, check out this game. And then having LAN parties, the very first LAN parties. I see the black hole in the middle where you had kind of have to navigate around it. Or it's, not, it's not a black hole, it's a star. Oh, well. The same difference. Way, like if, you, it, if you crash into it, you die. Yeah, and it yanks you in if you get too close. Yeah. But um, this game's if they gave it modern graphics, I could easily see people, you know, having having parties playing this game. Asteroids came after this? Yes, long after uh, this is uh, 15 years like, afterwards. Comparatively speaking, this looks more advanced than Asteroids. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, this could have been the first esports game had it been widespread. <laughs> I just thought it was strange. I've never heard of this game. I've heard of, you know, Asteroids and, and uh, um, Pong and all those others. But this one I hadn't heard about, so I had to look it up as well. Uh, it does look nice. Um I think it reminds me of another Atari game where you had to spin around a cone. Uh, yeah, there was Gravatar. You're thinking of the game Gravatar. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me of that a bit. Well, I think Gravatar was inspired by this game. You know what this yeah. you know what this game really reminds me of? It reminds me of Towerfall. Because like Towerfall, it's one well, Towerfall's not one on one, but in in Space War you you don't have that many bullets. Once you run out of bullets, you run out. So it's like Towerfall in which you only have that one arrow. And for, if you lose that one arrow, guess what? You're shit out of luck. Anyway, it's just really, really tight game design, you know. And um, hopefully someone remakes Space War or Gravatar, something like that. Anyways, um, before we go into the news, um, some, some, uh, some uh, housekeeping. One, uh, comments are now active again, so if you want to comment on GamingPodcast.net, feel free. It finally got fixed. There was a single letter that was that was not where it was supposed to be. Instead of HTTPS, it was HTTSP. So, no! <laughs> well, that's what happened to Aliens Colonial Marines. They just, they just misspelled one word, and the uh, aliens had bad AI. Yeah, anyways, um, one news item came a day after we recorded last week, and uh, this one is slightly hilarious and sl- slightly depressing because I always looked up to this publisher, and that is Team 17. Um, apparently, uh, all of the developers at Team 17 revolted because of their NFT bandwagon jumping, and um, apparently the problems were even deeper than we had thought. Um all the stuff, all the bad stuff you associate with larger uh, publishers, was going on with Team 17. You had the same, uh, you had same harassment. You had um, uh, crunch time, and uh, uh, this is this is going to remind you a little bit of Bobby Kotick, um, CEO Debbie Bestwick. What's people with the K's as their last name? I don't know. <laughs> Um, she has 200 million pounds, but uh, she forces staff to wrap her family's Christmas presents on her behalf. And even though Team 17 had record profits last year, they slashed staff bonuses. So, 
the uh, harassment claims were not were were uh, were, were ignored. Uh, QA was shunned. You know, people were underpaid. And um, with all of this going on, the staff just revolted. Um, one of their developers, and I love this, said this about NFTs. They said it right to the bosses. They said, we believe NFTs cannot be environmentally friendly or useful and really are just an overall fucking grift. Needless to say, we will not be working with uh, Team 17 on future titles and encourage other indie developers to do the same unless the decision is reversed. I fucking hate it here. You know, the corporate motto for Team 17 is the spirit of independent games. (laughs) So, yeah, things are rough over there. That does really sound horribly corrupt. I, I hate to see things get that bad. And like, when you look at their, when you look at just like the the response of of most of the folks that were associated with Team Seventeen, uh, in the in the immediate aftermath of that Worms NFT thing, it is very clear that everybody was blindsided. Nobody had any input. It was just something that the executives decided on and and put together and announced without any input or any sense of, like, testing the waters or getting a feel from any of the employees. And the thing that – and NFTs are not easy to program because they only take up a little bit of space, and you have to put everything into an NFT in terms of – you have to put that NFT in every single line of code – and if one thing is wrong, guess what? You have to scrap it all, and you have to start over again. Go ahead. Yeah, and like, not not just that, but like, and that was all to build up to the fact that like, you look at that response of their their employees being blindsided by this, and just like the sheer lack of communication with them. And then that, and then that expanded story about the conditions there comes out, and it's like. So really, it's it's like uh, that NFT thing is like everything going on there, but all the time. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, I followed Team 17 for a long time. They started as an indie developer themselves. And it was sort of like a shock to me when they started going into publishing. And it seemed to be working really well because, you know, they were an independent developer and they knew what, what, what went into it. But, uh, you know, you get too big too fast. This is what happens. Yeah, and I mean, it's a, it is a bummer because like they have a lot of good partners. They have they've done a lot of good work over the years, and it I just mean, sucks to think that like Overcooked is one of the best games for one thing. Or Overcooked in the sequel. Yeah, um, it's just a it's you're right. It's a huge bummer because it's a it's a beloved studio. A lot of like people love the Worm series. I love the Worm series. I uh, I love the groups that uh, Team Seventeen has partnered with over the years to bring out, and yeah, it's just it it sucks to see like that. Basically, it's it's been quiet at Activision Blizzard for a little bit, so it feels like Team Seventeen like tagged in and said we'll do we'll be the assholes this week, and it's indicative of the fact that like we've talked about it before, but like the rot doesn't begin and end with Activision Blizzard. It is. It is an industry. There, there are issues industry wide that 
Like it just so happens that we've talked about Activision Blizzard a lot when it comes to a lot to it recently because they've been one of the worst offenders. But it is most not. But it is most certainly not confined to Activision Blizzard. Um, one of the saving graces here, though, is Team 17 is small enough as a publisher and relies so heavily on indie developers that if you have a revolt like this, you're done. You're finished. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But, man, I am not thrilled with how that turned out. Well, you know what? Um, they have decided to try and win people back, at least. They have started uh, doing – they have started uh, – this last month, they improved pay and started doing staff rewards. But I, it's going to take a long time because uh, culture is culture, you know? Yeah. You don't go from, like, stories like people ha- literally just, like, staying long enough to get a free meal to suddenly everyone is paid well enough to not have to worry about things overnight. Well, we're going to be discussing that later in this podcast. Um, the other minor thing is that today um, the uh, roadmap for uh, demoing of road MLB The Show 22 has been announced. Uh, tonight they're sh- uh, they're talking about the online co-op and technical test. Next week they're going to talk about the Switch version of the game. Um, and then over the couple of weeks they're going to talk about gameplay and commentary. The March to October, and there's a lot of people who are looking at that because they really want a better uh, franchise mode. Um I'm most interested in three uh, in March 24th. That's what they're going to be talking about, Road to the Show. And then, of course, on March 31st, they're going to be talking about Dynasty, Diamond Dynasty, and esports and and live service content, which I really don't care about. I know a lot of people do, but it's not going to be something I'm going to be particularly t- paying attention to. But I'm also interested. I saw they showed some of the first Switch uh, gameplay demo. It looks like a low end Xbox One slash PS4 game. But I, but that's just because I think it's because they're showing off gameplay on the 1080p um, controller. I don't know how it's going to look on the TV, but you know what? It's still a great baseball game in terms of just gameplay, and um, it's nice to, for Switch fans to have that. Nice MLB licensed baseball game. That is an RBI baseball. Yeah. <laughs> So here's a question. Um, are either of you going to play MLB The Show on the Switch? No, not a chance. No. I can't, I can't imagine that it'll be all that good on the Switch for what they're, for what they're doing with it. I'm, I'm not into sports games in general, so I won't be playing MLB or any other sports games. I'm mostly RPG kind of person. Here's the thing, TJ, though. Um there's going to be cross-play between Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch, so the gameplay has to be identical to that of the other two platforms. The only difference is going to be frame rate and resolution. And, you know, by the way, it's pretty nice that you're going to have that cross-play between Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. The only That's in very few games, uh, like uh, uh, Fortnite. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like I I don't know why when it's on it's coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X and it's hopefully someday gonna be on P that kind of that's kind of the yeah that's a lot of gripe from people it's why isn't it on PC I mean technically 
it's coming to Nintendo Switch before it's coming to PC, and that's kind of a bite. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have Xbox uh, uh, Game Pass Ultimate, you can play it on your browser, so that's technically on PC. I did play uh, MLB twenty, uh, the show twenty one on my browser, and there was no lag. I was I was impressed. Huh. Interesting. So, anyways, um, we're going to get back to what we've been playing. But before you say anything, let me ask you a question. Have either of you been playing Infernax? No, I'm going to play it next week. What is that game? It's, uh, how to describe it? Well, for one thing, it's on Game Pass Day 1, which a lot of people were pleased about. It is right now the new hotness. It is, um, call it a, a cross between Castlevania, Zelda 2, and... I don't know. The cross between Castlevania and Zelda 2, basically. Although, you know, I'm going to tell you something. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Ghosts and Goblins for some reason. It's. I thought the I thought the new hotness was Lost Ark. Everyone I know is playing that game right now. Well, that's an entirely different kind of game. Infernax is basically looks looks exactly like an NES game. It has the same. I love that it uses the same font too. But everybody's been raving about Infernax. Yeah. It uh it has big Castlevania 2, specifically Castlevania 2 vibes to me, and I love that about it. I love Castlevania 2 with all of its warts, but this actually looks like it's more spruced up. Also, maybe some of the most gory pixel art I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, this game is sort of, um, what if people had NC-17 rated violence on the Nintendo Okay, yeah, it does look very cool. And uh, I agree with you, TJ. Uh, Castlevania 2 was my favorite Castlevania game as well. I remember playing that as a kid, and that was my first NES game after uh, getting the console. And I just loved the exploration and going through towns and all that. And I know uh, some people really don't like that Castlevania, but uh, I thought it was the best, and yeah, this Infinax does look really cool, and it has a lot of gore, good lord. <laughs> I'm just waiting to see if anybody says, I am error. Yeah. Um, there's a wall chicken, I know for a fact that there's a wall chicken uh, Easter egg in there, and it's really hilarious. I'm not going to spoil it here, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, by the way, this was developed by Berserk Studio, just so you know. But yeah, I, right now, um, at least in my circles, it's the new hotness. I haven't played it yet, even though it's on Game Pass. So, uh, TJ, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been fiddling around with Lost Ark. Okay. <laughs> which, uh, this is a game that has been all over, like, all, all over the news recently. It's a MMO, it's an MMORPG from Amazon Games and Smilegate. It's, it's been out in Korea for years already. But uh, Amazon Games helped bring it to the West, and it just released on uh, February 11th. It's pretty good. I uh, it it's a it's a top-down isometric game, and um, it's it's got a little bit of action element to it in its style. Um, but it also kind of makes me think of. You know what Black Desert Online is, right? Yes, I know it. Yeah. It makes me think of if Black Desert Online was done like um like a Larian Studios game. Uh. 
So, um, I took on the role of a, of a fighter in the game and, or uh, yeah, like a, a martial artist in the game. Uh, and they have like, they have like a combo system for the, for the fighter where you can actually like their, one of their special abilities is that you can chain their abilities together. So I've been having a lot of fun just like chaining from like a straight punch to a overhead kick to like a, a jumping area of effect attack. It's, and it's, it's kind of typical fetch quest go kill so many of these things affair you know you know it makes me depressed because it reminds me a little bit of hellgate london and i really enjoyed that game what's the name of this one you said tj lost ark oh oh it is okay you are talking about lost ark (laughs) yes you were talking about it earlier scott (laughs) i wasn't sure by the way speaking of mmos uh this one was breaking news this one is breaking news uh do you know about um what happened to titan reach right so if you don't know this story, uh, Titan Reach was a game, it was an indie MMO, um, which had a Kickstarter back in 2020. It failed its Kickstarter, but it went by a month-by-month uh, crowdfunding, and it's supposed to be sort of like a RuneScape type of MMO. Um, it got it got to 200000 and then it got backing from a mysterious uh, source. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we found out that the person who... Developed Titan Reach has vanished with all the money, and there's um, there's uh, some reporters have noted that they uh, spend it on F- and it, uh, with, on on uh, Bitcoin and and on cryptocurrency investments, and he bought his own Tesla, and um, it was the angel investor who did that. Uh, so yeah, speaking of NFTs and and and, and cryptocurrency, it is just a bizarre ongoing story that's that's going on right now. And I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. <laughs> what is it called one more time? Titan Reach. Titan Reach. Um, the mystery investor is, is supposedly Andre Cronhey, who's, uh, who's a South African uh, cryptocurrency entrepreneur. It, it's just, you know, it's like thieves in the night, really. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Video games are the only one are the biggest Kickstarter scams. You know, you don't see it in many of the other platforms. I mean, I, I have not seen, say, a ripoff of a board game Kickstarter, right? I mean, there are other stuff like, um, but it seems like video games are always the ones that are targeted by grifters. And it's just just strange going ons right now. We'll probably talk about it next week when there's even more information. Mm. Yeah, this is this is this is a bizarre thing. If you haven't written about it on Shack News, you should be. <laughs> well, Lost Ark for now is the is the hot hotness. Okay. And uh, <laughs> um, outside like outside of the fact that it's a popular game, it's actually quite enjoyable. Like I, I, I know, like I, I I just can't do MMOs anymore. I'm sorry, I, I just can't. <laughs> Too time consuming. That and here's the thing. Um. If I was to play an MMO, I'd still be playing Star Wars The Old Republic, which is still out there. You know, It's free-to-play. I think I'd get a bonus because I was a subscriber. They always have that uh, free-to-play, used-to-be-a-subscriber, and current subscriber. You know, those three tiers. I think they do that for a... And I really enjoyed my character, especially since it would play like a Bioware game. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't do an MMO. Wait until I'm 70 and I have more free time. By then, they'll probably have VR MMOs in which, or augmented reality MMOs. Scott, what have you been playing? 
Well, I've been playing a game I backed, speaking of Kickstarters, uh, called Thir- Rise of the Third Power. Right, which- and that is also on Game Pass, which I have not gotten to review. I downloaded it. I'm going to play it at some point. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see if I can find the name of the developer again. That was, uh, oh, yes, Stego- Stegocraft. And uh, they are, I think, I, th- I thought they were based in Poland. I'm trying to remember now, but um, they have created a game. Oh, it's not. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not on Game Pass. I got it as a. Um, I got it as part of my press account. Yeah, it's not that on Game Pass. Cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so the game is based on a uh, you know pre or post uh, Great War setting. Uh, in a, you know like a uh, like a pirate era, and you start as a two characters, uh, Rowan and Karina, and you're out off to kidnap a princess to stop a wedding because they feel this alliance that's going to happen from it is going to be a prelude to war, and you basically go on this adventure to stop this uh, em- emperor from starting up a war, and you get into the politics of the world and it's a turn-based rpg which has each character has their own abilities and it's kind of unique where they all share the same leveling pool when they when you gain a level it's all of them and so then you just decide whose uh ability tree you improve and you know or whatever um and there's like relics and all the little items and stuff you can find and it has good music, and I'm enjoying the story and the characters so far. I'm, you know, just having fun with it. Um, you know, it's just it's a nice game. Well, I haven't been playing anything new yet, so I'm just not going to talk about anything. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, we're going to move on to game news. Uh, go ahead, uh, TJ. Okay, so Microsoft is watching Activision Blizzard to ensure the right people are in charge when it takes over. From PC Gamer. There's a lot of work left to be done after before Microsoft's ac- uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard is complete. The terms of the deal are in place, but the whole thing has to be impro- approved by a number of regu- regulatory bodies, foremost among them being the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, before the green light is given. The general consensus is that it's likely to go through, and Microsoft is doing its best to grease those wheels by promising a principled approach to app stores, and more specifically, to keep Call of Duty games on PlayStation. In a recent interview on CNBC, Microsoft President Brad Smith took on a potentially even trickier question. How will Microsoft address the toxicity in Activision Blizzard's workplace culture that came up to light last year? In response, Smith said that making meaningful changes requires to culture requires a combination of commitment and humility, which for now remains the responsibility of Activision Blizzard management. And as a side note, of which they have none. Um, we're looking to the leadership team at Activision Blizzard today to make culture and workplace safety a top priority every single day until the day when this deal hopefully closes, Smith said. And then we'll take over, and we need to make it that same commitment. Smith also warned, gently but unmistakably, that Blizzard, Activision Blizzard leadership is calling the shots, but but Microsoft is watching those shots being called. Yeah, um, that's basically him warning Activision Blizzard. 
that that was that was a pointed. <laughs> you cannot get more um, unsubtle with you saying we're watching what they're doing. We're looking to the leadership team to make culture and workplace a top priority every single day until the day when this deal hopefully closes. Does that sound like a threat to you? It is a threat <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're they're really uh, they're going to make some changes. Is right, um, and like they did with. Uh, you know, with uh, Notch, Marcus Notch Pearson, they're just going to escort the toxic people out the door. Take your money and go. Get out. <laughs> because um, Microsoft has a long history of um, making sure that the workplace is safe. Um, and uh, like I said, they saw blood in the water. They knew they could get Activision for cheap because uh, the one person who really wanted to get out of there probably is Bobby Kotick. He wants to get out, you know, unscathed, which is impossible, we know, but at least he wants to get out with money because there was no winning condition for Bobby Kotick. He was either he was either going to get kicked out by shareholders or he was going to get kicked out by Microsoft. And he'd rather get kicked out by Microsoft because at least they're buying his shares of the company. Yeah, um, <laughs> like it's. I really do hope that's true about Microsoft watching closely because it has it isn't as if Activision Blizzard's management has have stopped being bums in the course of uh uh since this since this acquisition has been announced up to and including the fact that they completely skipped a conference call this last uh Bobby Kotick did yes we we yeah we we talked about that last week like that that says everything that says that he is a coward and he is not interested in being and being, uh, he's not interested in, in accountability at in the, in the slightest, which makes me wonder which is going to happen first. Kodak being successfully sued by the state of California or Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard, making the final sale. It's going to be interesting to see how, how that timer runs. It's sort of like, the clock is ticking on Bobby Kotick, and he has to keep his head out. Uh, has, he keep he has to keep his nose clean, but he's not doing anything, which is not keeping your nose clean. I mean, I, I guess he's getting a golden parachute, so I guess it doesn't really matter what he does. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's a lawsuit by the state of California, which means fines. Oh, that's true. This is not this is not this is not jail time. This is money time. This is a lawsuit from the state of California. And the fact that he did a major cover up, um, that's going to cost him. It's going to be see how much he uh, how much it costs him. Yeah, I. uh, Like, he's probably going to get his golden parachute, but I hope that guy spends the rest of his life in court for the rest for the things he's done. Well, you know what? Um, There's nothing more valuable than your legacy. And um, after you die, you can't change that legacy. Andrew Carnegie knew this. That's why he wrote the Gospel of Wealth. And um, Bobby Kotick has left a trail of slime back in 2007 until now. So. That's the only thing he's going to be known for. Whatever good he might have had done, whatever that might be, you know, it's going to be a footnote. His footnote in video game history is going to be one of an obstructive uh, slime. (laughs) 
I don't know he, he what else to say. He's the type that doesn't really care what his legacy is. He just oh, they they start fo- one focus only. Here's the thing. Um, you know, the money. older you get, the more you realize. Yeah. Um, you ever see the movie Moonstruck? There's one line in which Rose says, you know, he thinks he thinks if he keeps his money, he'll never die. We're go ahead, uh, GJ. I mean, yeah, like he he. <laughs> there, I read a story recently that like a, a someone that was close to him mentioned that he's extremely bullshit petty when it comes to money, to the point where like he or like especially when it comes to being slighted, like they've said that he will actually like proceed to go to court with forces spending way more money than it would have costed to just settle it out of court. Well, you know, you know, I, here's, here's something, um, I know it sounds philosophical, but it's actually true. Everything you have, you're just renting. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. Everything you have, everything you, you think you own, you're just renting it. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item, uh, which is also pretty revelatory. Witcher 3 director and Cyberpunk 2077 veterans announce a new studio and a quote-unquote AAA dark fantasy RPG. And this comes to us from PC Gamer. Conrad Tomaskowitz, uh, director of Witcher 3 and producer secondary uh, director on Cyberpunk 2077, has announced today that a new studio is formed of CD Projekt Red veterans. It's called Rebel Wolves. Based in Warsaw, Poland, the press release rather pointedly notes that Tomasz Tomaskovich uh, envisions a new studio with a united goal of doing things differently while also putting the team first at all times. Um, does that sound like a message? Just a little yeah. bit of a message. The press release really does go to town on the whole team angle. Unified by the mission of putting the team first in capital letters, Always, they believe that happy people create great games as they endeavor to revolutionize the RPG genre f- with their first project. Wow, are they taking both barrels at CD Projekt Red. Uh, Tomaskovic uh, will act as CEO and director of the studio's first game at the moment, which is unnamed and has a piece of concept art at the head of the art of, of um, their their press release. So, yeah, um, we all found out that CD Projekt Red wasn't the happy company that we all thought it was for a long while and that um, Cyberpunk 2077 had the crunch of all crunches, rivaled only by uh, L.A. Noir. So you can bet that these former people are, you know, and they're calling themselves rebel wolves. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, the amount of emphasis put on put on the team will go first in, uh, in that press release is extremely telling. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, yeah, it's there have been plenty of stories about like not only the crunch but like the the bonuses that that employees were supposedly promised. And yeah, how much uh, how much you want to bet this RPG is going to be PC first and a console version will come like a year later? Uh, yeah. Because here's the thing about CD Projekt Red, um, they're a PC developer. Period. End of story. 
Um, they were forced to make a console version at the same time, uh, simultaneously with Cy- Cyberpunk 2077, and they built up and went down. They didn't go down and go up. No, they built from the top and down, which is very bad if you're doing a console version because the result is what you saw in the Xbox One and PS4 versions of the game. So you know that they want to make a PC game, and um, I wish them well because I really didn't like The Witcher 3, and I'm ambivalent about cyberpunk 2077 but at least they'll be happy and they'll make it games that their fans want agreed like it's <clears throat> the fact that the fact that they're going with a crpg like i think they mentioned very specifically they're going to be going with a crpg <laughs> emphasis uh, on the c and they don't mean console <laughs> yeah uh tells me that I mean that that style in of itself is so much more friendly to PC than it is to any other platform because of the way the controls generally work on those titles. Yeah. Um, by the way, in related news, um, they announced the uh, next gen version of Cyberpunk 2077. CDB Project Red did. So it'll be interesting to see how that looks. Um, here's the problem with Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I never had any bugs with it. I played it on the Xbox One X. It it worked fine with me. I just didn't like the gameplay, and they wasted Night City. They, if there was ever a game that I wanted to live in, that was Night City, you know? Let me give you a problem. They had stores you could buy food. You know what that did for your character? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There was so much not to do in Night City. There were places to go, but there was nothing you could do at these places. Instead of creating a story arc, I would have liked it if better if they just had an open world and emergent gameplay and the story just unveiled itself as you inc- as you went further in it, rather than having an actual uh, story. Granted, I enjoyed uh, Keanu Reeves' performance, but I would have preferred a game that had me wandering around Night City. Just wandering around. It's the same problem with L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir... There were missions, but there was nothing to do in 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 L.A. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to I'm, do in Night City. Well, in L.A., you could go. Uh, yeah, you could visit places. Disc, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you could you could you could and, visit the uh, uh, monuments and, and, and uh, yeah, but there was nothing to do. There was literally nothing to do in L.A. And there was nothing to do in night in Night City. And the thing is, the place was huge. I mean, Night City itself was huge, but then you had the surrounding area, which was also gigantic, too. It was just a big waste of a, of a scenario. You were about to say, TJ? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a little bit more time. In fact, like, uh, I, had a, uh, I had a tweet specifically from a uh, I just from about patched you. it, though, I think, didn't I? Yeah, it's the upgrade to to next gen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a tweet from about a year ago that I was basically waiting a year until that tweet passed, like the <laughs> anniversary of it. And uh, then I'm going to go back into the game and see what they've done because I am interested. I want I I I wasn't hoping for that game's failure, and I want it to be good. And it will be interesting to see like how they've evolved that okay. whole experience since then. The main plot line, at least, was satisfying. Um, the, the entire and I, I chose one. There's many branches to it. I chose the one branch that I liked, just like Fallout 4. I chose the one branch that I liked, and I'm that's it. I'm done. 
just like Oxenfree, I have my storyline. I like the way the storyline. I'm not in, I'm not in the mood to explore the other ones. If I ever have the urge to do it, I'll just look it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll explore with something like Mass Effect because that's fun. It was not fun having to make all those choices in those other games. Oh, and that reminds me, how excited are you for Oxenfree 2? Um, I'm delighted to jump into that because the first game was tremendous. It was a tremendously freaky uh, point-and-click adventure. I, like- uh, I really... Go ahead. I really like how twisted it got and how they handled the fear element of it. Did you play After Party? I didn't. Okay. That's by the Yaks and Free People, and it's basically you in um, in hell, which is one long bar party, apparently. Yep. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was, uh, After Party isn't a game that I'm going to play again. I, I was satisfied with the ending in that as well. Anyways, uh, we're going to go on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Hold on. Uh, let's see. It is... No. And you accuse me of using a filter, TJ. Okay. Uh, Nintendo Switch Sports Online Play Test Registration now open. Registrations for Nintendo Switch Sports Online Play Tests are now open. Nintendo is conducting its online playtest this weekend, 19th and 20th of February, in anticipation of Nintendo Switch Sports release on the 29th of April. This test will be exclusive to Nintendo Switch Online users and will not be compatible with Nintendo's uh, Switch-like consoles. Nintendo has reiterated that the gameplay within this test may not be reflective of the full version of Nintendo Switch Sports, and as such, players may experience unexpected behaviors and errors. Uh, on its full release this April, players will be able to partake in games such as badminton, volleyball, as well as classics from the Wii era such as tennis and bowling. Meanwhile, a free update, which is scheduled for sometime this autumn, will add golf into the mix. I ask you a question, Scott. You said you didn't play sports games on, on, on the Switch. Would you play this? This one I would play. Uh, I like being able to get up and, and mimic the movements of these sports. Uh, I liked Wii Sports when it was on the Wii. I, we enjoyed it. Um, and uh, we, we, we liked the bowling and we did the tennis and I think a few other things. Um, and yeah, this yeah, is one of the... um be fun because I'm more act. Yeah, this is the one. This is the game that that more literally families will be playing. Yeah, yeah, we will play together. I uh, I liked see the the one thing that has me intrigued for this. I mean, we the Nintendo sports thing is is funny in general to me, but uh, bowling battle royale. Looks like it'll be fun to play. Yeah, um, and it's interesting to see. Here's the thing. Um, I got the impression that this was being stressed for North American uh, players. For Japanese players, not so much. I think it's because American players tend to care more about online play. Yes, and so it's going to be also interesting to see how this online stress test works out because Nintendo is extremely hit or miss on their online anything. 
Oh, well, we're about to find out in the next article. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 going to be. It's going to be telling whether or not they can actually pull it off. And uh, I don't know. The Splatoon works. Mario Kart 8 works. Smash is trash. Uh, there are some other games. That Speaking are, of upcoming games, are you excited for Splatoon 3? Yes, of course. Not of course. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, what was it, Salmon Run or Salmon Creek or whatever it was. It looks like you get to fight a, a Kraken or something. It's the Salmonids. The, this is a mode returning from, I think it started in the first game, where it's basically player uh, PvE instead of uh, having to do multiplayer PvP all the time. And uh, it's comparable to, like, a Gears of War horde, horde mode, where uh, you also, you still try to paint the environment, but you also fight against these giant salmon mutant monsters. Yeah. That does seem pretty cool like that. So why don't you take the next item, uh, TJ? Alrighty. Uh, 3DS and Wii U uh, eShop purchases end in March 2023 from Eurogamer. Nintendo will close the 3DS and Wii U eShops to new purchases in March 2023. After this point, the ability to buy games or download free-to-play titles and demos will be gone for good. Download codes will also not function. However, you will still be able to re-download previously purchased games and DLC. Receive software updates and play online. You will no longer be able to add funds to Wii U or 3DS eShop via credit card from May, uh, the 23rd of May this year. And uh, from the 29th of August this year onward, you will, no be, you will no longer be able to add funds from a Nintendo eShop card. Nintendo made the announcement uh, via its social channels and linked to a Nintendo support blog with further details, including a Q&A. When the page went live, it included a section on Nintendo's duty to preserve access to classic games and a question on whether Nintendo would make classic games available to own in some other way. Wrote Nintendo, doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? To which they answered, across our Nintendo Switch online membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. These games are often enhanced with new features such as online play. We think this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. Within these libraries, new and long-time players can find not only games they remember or have heard about, but other fun fun games they might not have thought to seek out otherwise. We currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. One commenter responded, It's 2022! There should be zero excuses for why a company can't merge their existing storefronts with their newer ones to avoid this exact type of situation. And by um, the way, 130 classic games. Isn't that peachy? Yeah, that's totally the same as not as like having <laughs> a full virtual console library worth of they, stuff. They have through. games that never came over to the West. Like Terranigma actually got localized in europe it's in english they could just plop it on onto the switch i they don't have to do a single thing to it just put it on the switch and and we'll buy the damn thing and uh, by the way as we know there are some games that have no physical comp- uh, that, that has no physical release for the 3ds and uh, the wii 
at all, which will be gone forever. I I agree that there's I I think they should be able to honestly transfer all those accounts that they had on the Wii Wii U and 3DS to the Switch because if we had an if you we had all our things linked up. You know, but I don't think they view it that way. But it, if you think Nintendo is going to let nice. you play, and if Nintendo thinks they're going to let you buy and own an older a Pokemon game, you are nuts. There is no way they want you buying an know, older they, Pokemon they game. They, well, guess... they want you to buy the new one. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, and like this is such crap because 130 games does not cover the entire gamut of the Nintendo virtual console by any stretch of the imagination. Well, let me see. Let's see how many 3DS games were released. Um, not, not number of games. Uh, I know, but it's more than 130. (laughs) Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. There, there, like, I could just look down the list and see that there's plenty that hasn't made. I mean, one of my favorite games of all time uh, from the Nintendo era, Bionic Commando. That's not on. That's not on uh, Nintendo Switch Online right now. Uh, <laughs> they haven't put uh, Kid Icarus. I don't think that one's on there. Blaster Master's not on oh. there. They haven't put Kid Icarus on there. Um, they haven't but- put. It- they haven't put either of the any of the uh, Legend of Zelda Game Boy games on there. So I'm looking at this uh, list of Nintendo 3DS games. There's definitely more than 130 here. And oh, by the way, a lot of these games that were released on the 3DS were ports of, of older systems as well, like the Neo Geo. Mm-hmm. You know? They had Neo Geo games, they had Game Gear games, they had, uh, you know... Uh, PC Engine TurboGrafx-16 games. You know, they had the old Famicom games. Not the NES games, but the Famicom games. They had things like River City Ransom and uh, Wrecking Crew. They had ridiculous things that, like, you would never really find anywhere else. Gargoyles Quest? I love Gargoyles Quest. Um, What's interesting, this is a preview to what happened to the Nintendo 64 games that were on, uh, because they they were removed from the... uh, we shop back in 2013. So, yeah, so that's a huge bummer, and it's stupid that Nintendo thinks that the Nintendo Switch Online is the if if they think that the Nintendo Switch Online is a suitable replacement for the Virtual Console, then they need to kick it into high gear and actually start adding these games onto the Nintendo Switch Online, and I mean like more than four every. Three to five months. I got an offer that someone, a a, um, developer has released a new Game Boy game, physical Game Boy game, as in a Game Boy cartridge. Yes, I think I remember seeing that too. Now, that's not an online game, but still, I mean, you know, it's Nintendo hates homebrew, but they're forcing people to do homebrew. And now the only way to play these games is to play ROMs of them on another console or the PC. Yep. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Uh, Focus Home Interactive to acquire Metal Slug Tactics dev uh, Leakier Studio. And this comes from Shack News. Focus Home Inter- Interactive announced its impending acquisition of Leakier Studio in a press release on 14th of February. 
According to the release, Leakier Studios' team of 20 employees and devs are set to join Focus Home Interactive's collection of studios and partners, which includes Doremu. Uh, with this uh, acquisition, Leakier will still will become a permanent part of the further Focus Home family, which includes the de- uh, likes of Deck 13, Douge Dizems, and Struman. It also means that we could further see collaboration between Dotamu and Leakier even following the release of Metal Gear uh, Metal Slug Tactics. Metal Slug Tactics was announced during the Summer Game Fest showcase around E3 2021. There's still no release date, uh, release date info yet beyond the fact that it should be coming sometime in 2022. Still, it's looked like another promising title among the Dotamu slate, featuring fan-favorite Metal Slug heroes and their super vehicles as they battle against enemy armies in a tactical strategy setting. Heavy machine guns, grenades, rocket launchers, and destructible terrain have been shown throughout the footage uh, seen so far. And I remember you've been championing this game since last year, uh, TJ. Yes, it's Final Fantasy Tactics with a Metal Slug skin, and that there is nothing dope. There is nothing not cool about that sentence. Um, <laughs> I I love Metal Slug. I absolutely adore Metal Slug. It's one of the games that I grew up with in the arcade. And to see them uh, working with SNK to put this together in a in a ta- in a turn based tactical like RPG style is dope as hell. Now um, let's talk about Focus Home. I mean, I've never heard anything bad about them. <laughs> right. Um, they have the they have their types of games. They have the their um oh, what are they called again? Uh, not Forex games. Um, oh damn it. Uh, strategy. No. Um. You know, my brain is fried right now. Uh, global strategy games, you know, stuff like Universus or uh, Univer- Europa Universalis and Crusader Kings. Um, they do those sort of games, you know, they and other games. I'm not saying that's all they do, but they're known for doing these grand strategy games. And Metal Slug Tactics is a strategy game. Yes. I had no idea. Oh, grand strategy I, game. That's That's the name of it. I had no idea that Dot Emu was uh, was a part of Focus Home Interactive, and you wouldn't know because like Dot Emu kind of does their own thing very differently from all these other groups, and uh, and has seemingly had pretty pretty full control over the things that they che- that they collaborate on and publish. I think Focus Home is the sort of thing like, oh, what are you working on? Cool, let us know when you're done. Yes, and Dot Emu has proven time and time again to show that they are worth that kind of trust. Um, but yeah, I this makes me very excited that Lake here will work with Dot Emu even after Metal Slug Tactics is done, and that's cool because hey, I'm all for an indie studio getting the bag and and being able to do more and more cool content. I'm really looking forward to Metal Slug Tactics this year. It's maybe it's high up there on my anticipated games. Um, and the fact that this will that this will continue the collaboration between like here and and the and Dot Emu is all the and, more exciting to me. And even if they don't collaborate again, um, still uh, like here will have they probably will get asked by Focus Home. Okay, what do you want to make? Okay, let us know when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, good for like here. Good for good for another cool uh, indie studio getting the bag. Right. We're gonna move on to listener feedback. Uh, this is from episode six twenty six. Go ahead, uh, TJ. Right. Uh, this is from Ralph. Hi guys. I know I repeat myself, but thank you always for your effort to make this episode. What to say about the big topic? Uh, Microsoft buying Blizzard. I think it's normal business, and we will see what changes, but honestly, I don't think it will be that much, which impacts their games. 
maybe we'll, they will clear the mess with the mess with the workers and all that shit, which happened behind the scenes. A Game Pass, which includes WoW, would be nice because I already pay for WoW each month, and it's cheaper than you than we said in the podcast. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, more important than um, well, not more important, but one of the things about Microsoft and developers there is that they're not going to have people pulled off their projects to work to help work on a mega project, you know, like Call of Duty. They're going the the, the smaller developers don't want to work on Call of Duty. <laughs> they want to work mm-hmm. on their own uh, on their own games. And I think there uh, the Microsoft wants a variety and it's not just about the Call of Duty. They want this kind of game and this kind of game and this kind of game and this kind of game. I mean, you have Infernax and you have Ark Survival Evolved next to uh, State of Decay 2, next to Halo, next to, you know, they want the whole, uh, next to um, the uh, the Artful Escape. They want a whole variety, and you can't have that if everybody's being pulled off their games to work on Call of Duty. Yeah. Phil Spencer already said that he would like to re-explore older Activision IPs, which we talked about, like, that would be really dope if uh, that meant things like Warcraft Space 4. Or, Warcraft, or Warcraft 4. 4. <laughs> yeah, he... He did mention King's Quest. Which I think that's his way of saying make King's Quest games. <laughs> so it would be... That would be nice. I still do think that eventually like World of Warcraft does become part of Game Pass because that would be like... That would be good synergy for that brand to just like be like, hey, why pay for a monthly fee for uh, World okay. of Warcraft and Game Pass when you could just pay for Game Pass and get World of Warcraft? Um, You know what might happen there? Um, you know, when I talked about um, the different subscription levels and the one I qualify for with uh, Star Wars The Old Republic is former subscriber, they may do that with World of Warcraft, in which you have Game Pass, but not a World of Warcraft subscription. They give you a special tier that's not the top tier, but it's right under it. You know, the former subscriber uh, tier. And you know that um, anybody who pays for Game Pass and pays for a World of Warcraft subscription is going to get <laughs> they're going to get the, all the benefits. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. But here's the other thing. One other thing is that um, I know that you're now anxious to see what Vicarious Visions is going to do under Microsoft because you know what Microsoft's going to do is going to say make what you want. I. You want Tony Hawk 3, yes, we know. <laughs> no, I have mixed feelings about it because they already drove out Jen O'Neill, who was like the lead person behind Vicarious Visions. And I know that company is more than Jen O'Neill, but at the same time, they drove off some good fucking talent by being dumb assholes. Well, you know, then Microsoft will have to coax them back, that's all. We'll see. But, uh, I re- you know what? I know. Me. Wait, before you go on, there's one thing that I that I forgot to mention, and you're in the fighting game scene as well. And there is one game that has been frozen in time that I know has a lot of fans, and they want a new one, and they want a new season, and that's Killer Instinct. And they could pull there's, a develop. They could pull a developer from from Activision Blizzard. Hey, work on this. Uh, who was it that worked on that? Um. It was actually, you know, uh, it was, it was, uh, Iron something. Iron Galaxy was the second it's developer. Iron, it was Iron Galaxy for season two and three. Right. Who is currently working on Rumbleverse, 
which is a wrestling battle royale. Yeah. Um, I like the look of Rumbleverse actually, and, and one of my friends that's has been uh has been ex- has been shared. Uh, Double Helix was the, was the original developer. But the ones who worked on it mostly after that were. Uh, What's interesting yeah. is that uh, when Double Helix tackled it, um, they brought people. They brought people from Rare, the original Rare, who worked on Killer Instinct, and they, you know, they shaped it together. And then when it looked like when Double Helix had to be pulled from the game, they stayed on with Iron Galaxy for for like a month to bring them up to speed on Killer Instinct. Mm-hmm. And it's something you don't see much. Let's move on with the letter. <laughs> I recently played a lot of World of Warcraft because the next phase is coming in the next day or so. Black Temple and Hyjal. Besides, I finally got my PS5. Good for you. That's harder. That's easier said than done. And bought, <laughs> yes, especially and since uh, especially since uh, Sony has announced they're, they're going to be releasing a crap ton of PS4s to make up for the lack of PS5s. Uh-huh. And I bought God of War for the PS4, which got an HDR for a 4K upgrade for free. It looks absolutely stunning. The game I am trying to play right now is Life of, Life of Strange True Colors, which is also a great game. Um, I love the series, and this part is great as well. The Settlers. I played the hell out of the board game, I think, 25 years ago. Don't know if it would make so much, would make so much fun playing the PC version, because board games are made for playing in real life with your friends. Okay, uh, Ralph? This is not Settlers of Catan. Those are two different games. <laughs> this is the Settlers, and it was out in the early. Oh, well, so is actually so is Settlers of Catan. This is this is um this is not what Settlers of Catan is. It's not a game in which you're you're uh, claiming claiming cities and and on a on a map. No, um you're actually just uh, running the town economy and uh, making all these engines to make your town run. It's a different game. It's it's a life sim. It's a city simulation. Not unlike. Not unlike SimCity, but on a more focused level. Mm-hmm. You have more like individualized characters, despite the fact that you're still sort of macro managing. Um, PC, PS, PS Games Pass. I don't really care about Games Passes because I don't have that much time to play all the games I could play anyways. Uh, so I buy games when I really want to play them, and I think if I find enough time. In general, game passes are nice if you have enough time to get the most out of it. See, I don't get it because the games are free. I get it so that I can sample a game and see if I like it. I I agree with Ralph. That is the exact reason I don't go in on game passes because I wouldn't make enough use of it for Remember it. when remember when every game had a demo and you could download the demo and see if you liked the game from the demo? Yeah, but I I do enough research these there days are to game know demos you. on but here's the thing. Also, game demos on Steam. To I, it's also you know it's also like just to play to see if you like a game before you know try a genre that you would never buy and find out that you liked it. You know, a lot of people who are Gears fans who had never played XCOM found themselves loving Gears Tactics, and you, know, you have Grounded, which is a a nice little game in which you're running, and they're still updating that that game. <laughs> it's still not finished. Sure. But like I said, I, I agree with Ralph. Game passes are awesome for people that have the time to explore them. I don't. I don't have the time. That's why I like having the game pass <laughs> to explore games. I, uh, but I don't even yeah, have the I time. The but I don't even time. have the. Yeah, go ahead. Well, sorry, I was. I was. I, Scott it, is a dad, so of course he doesn't have the time. 
<laughs> but like, yeah, I, I I spend most of my time working and writing about games every day, and like, the, you'd be shocked how little time. Well, no, you wouldn't be shocked because you know Jonah, you've done it. I have very little time to play anything in my uh, free time. Okay. Anyway, so the game up. passes are cool, and I really do hope that uh, PlayStation carries out a a game pass variant. In any case. Ralph says, please stay safe and healthy and take care of yourself. Greetings from Germany, Ralph. And um, that brings us nice to, to hear from you, Ralph. Anyways, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so leave us comments on our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, just up to Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Charger Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.